0: Hi, everybody. This is Talking Digital Industries, the podcast for technologies and trends that drive industrial enterprises. And I'm your host, Chris Brow. Flying. Now, I think this is not just a big mystery, but also a big dream of basically everybody out there. Who hasn't dreamt of flying? You know what I mean? Like just taking off, just, you know, a run up and just spreading one's wings and flying through the air, basically. Now, With today's increasing mobility of society and the impact on the environment, the focus is on CO2 emissions. And of course, the civil aerospace industry has been hit hard by the COVID-19 pandemic. I guess we have plenty to discuss in today's episode on the aerospace industry. And I'm more than excited uh, to introduce my guests in just a couple of moments. The questions we'll be talking about are how can decision makers handle the situation? What are the most pressing challenges in the industry? And if, again, digitalization is key to survive and thrive, what does this mean for aerospace? So I'll be discussing these topics and more with my guests. First up, we have the Managing Director at Aerodynamic Advisory and a very knowledgeable analyst and consultant for the aerospace industry. He's also been on numerous podcasts, but also on news and radio programs, including BBC, Reuters, CBS, CNN, PBS, you name it. And now, finally, on our Talking Digital Industries podcast, I'm more than happy to have him with us, Richard Abulafia. Richard, great to have you with us. are you doing today?
1: Oh, just great, Chris. Great to be on. Really appreciate you and Siemens having me on the podcast and looking forward to talking about taking off.
0: All right. Sounds good. And also joining us from Siemens Digital Industries is the vice president of Aerospace. Let's welcome Jürgen Nolde. Jürgen, can you hear me? Hello, Chris and Richard. Yes, fine and glad to be here. Great. Great to have you both on the show. I got to tell you, um, I'm very into aerospace myself, especially when I was a child. I became a member of the young astronauts Club at school in the afternoon uh we'd get together once a week and uh, you know you, you kind of like had the dream of becoming an astronaut i don't i don't know I was like nine or ten at the time, I think or maybe eleven. I didn't become an astronaut, obviously. <laughs> Nevertheless, a technology fascinates me. Now, my question is, what about you guys? I mean, when did you first come into contact with planes, with flying and all that stuff? And when did you realize that this was the business you wanted to be in? Would you even go so far to describe yourself as an aerospace fanatic, maybe? Richard, how about you? Why don't you start it off?
1: Well, I think all of us as children are fascinated by transportation, things that move, mechanical objects. And of course, aircraft are as great as it gets because they also fly. And uh, I was certainly bitten with that bug and was building model airplanes at a young age. And, you know, it never went away, I'm delighted to say. Um, I consider myself one of the luckiest people you'll meet because I get to work in this amazing field with amazing people and amazing things that fly. So I would definitely characterize myself as a geek. I have a, a very large library of aerospace books. And if I get to read half of them in my, my lifetime, I'll consider myself hugely privileged. Um, <laughs> my son and I occasionally build a model kit. So getting back to those roots too. Cool. Sounds good. How about you, Jürgen?
2: Well, really, I also started building aeroplanes when I was six or seven. And I had my whole room full of uh, plastic aircraft until I got in trouble with my parents. Then I really decided I wanted to become a pilot. I need to fly aircraft. Mm-hmm. And probably because from building all those airplanes, I developed a short-sightedness. And in the end, this kept me from becoming a pilot. So I started to uh, study engineering and um I'm at Siemens for some years now, was in engineering in, in the automotive industry. And um, yeah, now the, the function is to build up an account management for the major aircraft manufacturers. So in a way, I realized what I always wanted to do from when I was a kid.
0: Sounds good. So, so you both found your dream job, so to say, in a way. Yes, yes. I could not be happier. Now, when we speak of the aerospace industry, I mean, I think most of us think of, you know, commercial planes flying us to our holiday destination, airplanes powered with kerosene. But, you know, that's just one section of a much broader market. There are cargo planes, helicopters, and the upcoming industry of air taxis. And there's a lot of discussion on aircraft propulsion, electric or hydrogen. And I wonder, where is all this heading to? I mean, what kind of flying objects are we likely to see in the near future?
1: Any favorites, Richard? Well, you know, I I think you look at the world of possible propulsion changes. And the one thing that's kind of lost is that we've been better than any other industry at self-disciplining, you know, you look at the 70 years of jet travel, and every year we've gotten 1% or 2% better in terms of fuel efficiency and emissions reductions. You know, today's jets, sure enough, are over 70% more efficient and less polluting than our, the jet age forebears in the 19, late 1950s. Now, having said that, we definitely need to move towards uh, some kind of change. It's going to take a long time before batteries can be scaled up to allow electrification. Maybe one day it'll happen. Maybe it'll take the form of fuel cells. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of fascinating experimentation, but I'm afraid it is a long road. And in the meantime, uh, you know, conventional engines in new and more radical forms, like for example, ultra high by- by- bypass engines or prop fans, a return to propellers, there are so many ways to achieve greater propulsive efficiency and less pollution using uh turbine technology so i think we've got another couple decades ahead of that but in Mm -hmm. the meantime there's going to be some really interesting aircraft built with electrics just as if only a niche production that prepare us for the day that we follow the rest of the world economy and move towards electrification in one way or another Thank you, Richard, so far. Uh, Let me come to you, Jürgen. And and just to make it
0: clear, Siemens is not an aircraft manufacturer, of course. Nonetheless, it would be interesting to hear what Siemens' stake is here when it comes to supporting the industry. Like, what are some of the most exciting offerings of Siemens to the aerospace industry? Jürgen?
2: Well, you're absolutely right, Chris. Uh, Siemens is not an aircraft producer. But we support the aircraft manufacturers and their global supply chain in their strive to produce and engineer Innovative aircraft. So we start with the engineering of an aircraft and then we provide all the software tools to design the aircraft, to have it as a kind of digital twin, mm-hmm. and to then s- even simulate the behavior before it exists as a prototype. And after that, based on this digital twin that we have, we provide the software and engineering capabilities to plan the production and to automate the manufacturing process. And okay. finally, When the aircraft is being produced and flying, we then have all this data to optimize production and to support the aircraft manufacturers when they, for instance, do an update or further develop the aircraft.
0: Now, that's a pretty big spectrum, I'd say. I mean, which technology is closest to your heart, though, Jürgen? The one where you see the biggest demand or maybe the biggest opportunities for your customers?
2: Well, you know, I, I, I studied mechanical engineering, and uh, back then, many decades ago, we learned to program with punch cards. So I am not so deep into software, and that's why my personal opportunity and demand is in aircraft manufacturing, in smelling that oil in uh, seeing how these extremely complex parts are manufactured. A part costing, for instance, a quarter of a million euro and to see the capabilities of today's automation and digitalization to produce these parts with highest accuracy. And, you know, the aerospace industry is quite different from automotive, for instance, because we have very few products that are being produced and they are very complex So that's some of the main challenge of today. And really, like Richard mentioned, the industry is redefining itself, going more sustainable and requires desperately this increased sustainability through lighter material, more efficient coordination of the incredible supply chain all over the world, which has reduced capacity and now is rapidly ramping up production. And Siemens is in the end developed these concepts that move end to end from design up to production and backwards so that we really try to make life a little bit easier for the aircraft manufacturers.
0: Since we're talking about uh, increased sustainability all the time, I'd like to come back to, to Richard real quick to ask you, is, is it a contradiction to talk about increasing sustainability and the increased speed and comfort that many customers
1: also might seek? What is your take on that? Do you see any trends? Well, to a certain extent, it's a great question. I'm afraid to a certain extent, it just might be, you know, like, for example, I mentioned prop fans before, which I think is a fairly exciting new, relatively new propulsion technology. Mm-hmm. It's been around before, but it's coming back with uh, with new materials, new capabilities, Inherently, it is a little slower. You know, your typical jet transport customer uh, travels at about Mach 8.3, Mach 8.4. These take you back a little bit to around Mach 7.9, Mach 8. So slightly slower, but they achieve double-digit levels of propulsive efficiency. But, you know, most of the time you don't have to sacrifice efficiency or speed, or I should say speed and comfort, in order to get greater efficiency and and less pollution. For example, all the technologies Juergen just mentioned, you know, we're so focused on the propulsion angle, but so much happens behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. Digitization to make factories more efficient, more ecologically friendly ways of, well tearing down aircraft down at the end of its life cycle you know there are so many ways to improve how an aircraft is built how it it goes through its life and how it gets disposed of And I don't think we tell that story as effectively as we should, because, Mm -hmm. of course, eco-friendliness is a much bigger picture than just flying through the air. So you look at all of those technologies like digitization and whatever else, there's absolutely no compromise involved. It's a net benefit to the industry with uh, no trade-offs whatsoever.
0: Wow. All right. Thank you very much for that, Richard. Talking about a story that isn't told often enough, I come to think about the whole manufacturing process of such a big object, like a commercial plane or a civil airplane, Jürgen, especially for those of us who are not from the aerospace industry, how can you help us understand the manufacturing process a bit better? I mean, I know it takes quite some time to produce such a huge plane, and maybe you can tell us how do your customers actually produce all those parts and make them fit together at the right time in one production line?
2: Yeah, Chris, that's really the largest challenge of the industry because there are, of course, large and extremely complex parts being produced by many manufacturers. And then these parts are manufactured, for instance, in machine tools and robots. And then the challenge is not to make mistakes because these parts are so expensive and to get the part right the first time. And this is one of the keys for utilizing digitalization. Because if you produce a million cars, that's quite easy because you have a standardization. But when a manufacturer manufactures hundreds of aircraft a year, everyone is a little bit different. Then the challenge is to bring all these parts together, to assemble them in one or several lines. And here, programmable logic controllers coordinate all processes. And for instance, a manufacturing execution system... It's based on the one software data backbone in the whole company coordinates the management of these orders as well as product quality. But really, time is too short uh, to go into a lot of detail on how manufacturing works. And the description is quite vague. So, you know, we have developed this uh, virtual aerospace world, this virtual world of aerospace manufacturing, where we show in pretty big detail the technologies required to manufacture aircraft, and what Siemens is able to provide to make aircraft manufacturing more sustainable and easier. Sounds impressive. Um, And, you know, on your next trip
0: to one of those halls, be sure to take me with you, okay? We got to find a date. Now, the aerospace industry is obviously always under a lot of pressure. Not only does it have to improve its efficiency and manage complexity, but society is challenging the industry to, to be more sustainable and innovative. And some of us even ask for the cheapest airplane tickets. Now, this is no joke, just a, a few days ago, a friend of mine who actually works in London and flies back and forth between Frankfurt and London very frequently, um, he bought tickets for under 10 euros, there's no joke. Now, Richard, what has already been accomplished, let's say in the last 10 years, and how can companies master this balancing act?
1: Well, it's difficult because, of course, one of the fastest growth segments in aviation has been the so-called ultra low-cost carriers that mm-hmm. thrive with, well, extremely low fares. Now, they make some of that back in the form of add-on taxes and, of course, ancillary fees. You know, mm-hmm. if you want a cup of coffee, it's uh, it's four euros or something. Right. You know, but at, at the end of the day, I, I can't help but wonder how the external costs of the environment are going to be passed on to the customer. And if it is carbon taxes, obviously that's going to complicate this equation. Having said that, you know, you look at these very low tickets and the people who are flying on them. Would it really be that big a deal if they went from, say, 10 euros to 15 euros mm-hmm. and, you know, help the environment that way? Would that really impact their decision to go to uh, i don't know a bachelor party to bratislava or something like that i i'm not really sure that it would so i i think there is some latitude in the system to pass on additional costs but of course this too just creates this tremendous pressure on suppliers to keep costs down and Mm. we've been really good at that you know it's not just the increasing efficiency and eco-friendliness of modern jets relative to where we were it's also that costs have been consistently reduced in real terms Mm. the actual price for example of an a320 or a 737 is in nominal terms that is to say just sticker price about the same as it was 20 years ago, which means mm-hmm. we've been, you know, in terms of inflation, losing a couple percent per year. That's because we've been better and better at economically and efficiently building jets. A lot of that is for the increasing level of factory automation and digitization that Jürgen talks about. So much of it depends upon, frankly, just reducing keystrokes in the manufacturing process. Right. W- would you say uh, metal 3D printing has has contributed to this process also? 3D printing, of course, is is relatively new for everybody. And there are places where it makes a great deal of sense and places where maybe not so much. And it's sort of been a little bit forward, a little bit back here and there. I think it's going to start having a very big impact when we figure out how to more efficiently design components that benefit from Additive manufacturing, 3D printing, because right now, of course, you know, we're just replacing bits and pieces Mm -hmm. that have already been designed. But when we learn how to more efficiently design components that benefit from this, that's where you will really see nice savings in terms of weight and fuel. So a lot of potential to look forward to there, I guess. Absolutely.
0: Now, everybody's talking about the potential of electric airplanes also. And coming back to our huge haul and the complex production process you talked about earlier, Jürgen, how do electric engines change the production process? I know that for the automotive industry, it changes almost everything. Is
2: it the same in the aerospace sector? I think in the long run, it will be the same. But we have to look at the timeline for aerospace. And surely this is much longer than in the automotive industry So, Chris, we expect that we will see the first smaller passenger planes around 2025, maybe up to 2030. And uh, currently the plan is that a single aisle jet will take until 2035, until it's on the market and it's flying purely electric. So the aircraft manufacturers are working on these concepts today. They're taking a lot of time because, like you say, the, the shape of the aircraft will also change dramatically because of the kerosene tanks not being required anymore because of a new setup. And that's why these developments are taking a long time, but it will also take some time to implement electric engines. And also hydrogen fuel is one of the technologies that we can expect to be in the aircraft market soon. So also, we have to consider that uh, introducing hydrogen into flying will also re- uh, change the complete infrastructure at the airports, and therefore we will see this major change, but it will take a long time, even though it will be quite similar to automotive and change our world of flying in the long run.
0: What, what's your opinion, Richard, the future aerospace? Will it be electric? Now, I assume you're going to say it
1: depends. <laughs> well, I think in the, in the long run, you know, we're... Hopefully the entire economy will be electric in Mm -hmm. one way or another. I think we're probably going to be the last sector of the economy to electrify because of the battery densification and, of course, safety qualification issues associated with electricity. You know, as a kind of step towards there, one thing we're looking at, of course, is hybrid, which is where you have just one turbine that powers motors and and recharges batteries and whatever else uh, Mm -hmm. via, you know, the architecture of the plane. And that requires new challenges in terms of thermal management and power connectivity and uh, everything like that. That might be a step there. And, you know, more and more of the plane will be powered by electricity. That Mm -hmm. is to say, rather than, you know, hydraulic or pneumatic power that's transferred from the engine's, so, you know, it's going to be a, a slow road there, but there'll be many, uh, many steps on the way. All right. Now, uh, looking at the time, we almost have to wrap up again. That's how it is,
0: you know, time flies. Time, that, that's fitting. Time flies when you're having fun. Last but not least, I guess we do have to talk about the pandemic a bit and how it influences our travel activities and the aerospace industry, obviously. And companies are cutting travel costs. Many people are avoiding long distance flights. And speaking of my own experience, I, for instance, reduced flying by almost, yeah, 80%, I'd say, maybe even 90. Um, Richard, what's your uh, outlook? Will the industry return to pre-pandemic levels or are many of these changes for the long term?
1: Well, you know, there's two aspects of this. One, of course, is just getting over the pandemic itself. And that's going to take a little while. Uh, we're not expecting people to get back in the air to- to the peak in 2019 until probably the second half of 2023. Now that's not the same, of course, as you know the big decision of whether or not to travel. In terms of human experience, you know, I think younger people these days are, is uh, you know, frankly, if anything, more enamored with experience than with possessions. So I'm not expecting any issues in coming back on the tourism front. On the business front, you know, a lot of businesses say we're going to travel less and. that'll that'll save us money and it's a a nice message for people but in reality they find that when the world opens up again and their competitors come back and they don't uh they can lose market share (laughs) so whatever they say now i'm not so sure i can i would take all that seriously there is the question of whether intra company you know travel between business units comes back to the same extent that's going to be interesting to watch on the other hand you know, all the technology we're using now, Zoom, Webex, uh, Teams, whatever, we've had that for years. And nobody has used that as a substitute for business travel. So right. I tend to be pretty optimistic on the idea of a recovery. Okay. So have you booked your next flight? Um, In theory, at least, my family and I are going to Venice for Carnival in February.
0: Oh, look at that. That sounds good. How
2: about you, Jürgen? Well, of course, we are looking towards... Uh business trips to meet our customers again, which, of course, uh, did not take place in the past years. But, you know, Chris, all Germans go to Mallorca. So really, my next flight is booked to Mallorca, where we try to find some sun after this long winter. However, just as Richard uh, explained, aerospace is here to come back. And we are looking forward to this development that will take place in the future.
0: Well, I hope to talk to both of you again about this topic in the future. Uh, I'd like to thank you both for taking me on this flight through this very interesting topic. I hope you enjoyed it just as much as I did. And um, I hope our listeners out there did also i think this was a very exciting conversation about an exciting industry and uh, if we caught your interest do turn to www.cmens.com aerospace where you can book your tour through the virtual showroom aero world you even talked about it earlier in this episode please stay tuned for our next episode and once again this is talking digital industries it's been a pleasure to have you and uh, stay safe everybody hope to hear you again next time goodbye Thank you.